Welcome to Grand Turbo MoneyCast, where you will hear the answers to many of your investment questions. The material you are about to receive is neither a solicitation nor an offer to buy or sell any securities. Please remember, all investments bear risk. Now, on to our show featuring Gregory Anderson, CEO of Granderson Wealth Management Group in Denver. Here we are again at Grand Turbo MoneyCast. I'm here, Steve Koch, with Gregory Anderson of Granderson Wealth Management. How you doing, Gregory? I'm doing great today. How about yourself, Steve? I'm doing really good, I'm especially good because we're going to be talking about a favorite topic of mine, which is shopping. No, I mean retail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Investments in the retail sector. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the dynamics that affect retail investment, uh, like some some kind of strange, not strange, but uh, kind of way out there measurements of you know consumer confidence, how some other measurements might affect retail. We'll be, we'll be talking about which are the big retail companies we're talking about, which ones are moving the stock market, uh, and some subsectors of the retail industry that might be of special interest. And as always, we will have the investment tip of the month. All right. Let's get right into it, Gregory. All right. <clears throat> Can you talk a little bit about ways that consumer attitude affects the retail uh, investment, the, re- the, the way retail stocks move in the stock market? Well, I would like to focus in on the consumer discretionary piece, which okay. is um, includes probably four sectors of uh, uh, consumer uh, behavior. And actually, the reason why I think it's really important that uh, investors look at this is because for 2023, the fourth largest of the 11 sectors of the S&P 500 is up over 30%. So in light of this environment that we think about recession and we think about consumers, Actually, this has been one of the better sectors to be in, and it includes manufacturing, uh, consumer products, retail distributors, consumer services, as well as manufacturing automotive and automotive components. So when we think about this, uh, particularly with recession and inflation, there's probably this negative connotation that that particular sector is not doing very well. And in light, right. it really has done very, very well. So to, to your question, it, it, it definitely affects the way consumers behave, what they're buying. And we also look at this high rate of inflation, and, which has come down considerably from 2022, as well as high interest rates. So particularly if a person is looking to buy an automobile, that interest rate is higher than it was a year and a half ago. So that Mm -hmm. would see, we would probably, we would normally see a decline, but this particular sector has done very, very well. Um, If you're looking at the overall market, the S&P 500, for example, uh, that has actually been up about uh, 20%. So um, year to date for 2023. So, okay. Um, and just curious, we know that the stock market had a good start to this year and then kind of leveled off a little bit this summer and actually just had its first, 
the S&P 500 just had its first down month in, in, out of after five straight gains. Correct. Uh, is has the retail uh, sector that you're talking about had its big run up and the has it also flattened out over the summer? It has. It has. Uh, but it's you know we were looking at roughly you know 17 20 percent on the S&P 500 and you're seeing a 30% increase year to date on retail. Mm -hmm. So the question is what's going to happen for the rest of the year? So the balance of, you know, the next four mm -hmm. months, um, and generally speaking, you usually see a run up in retail stocks in November, December, uh, looking at the holiday season and, um, I believe that um, we'll, we'll probably see this. I don't think it's going to be 40%. I think it's going to be maintained probably at about 30%. So consistent growth in the retail sector. Hmm. Okay. How has retail been so resilient? Well, I mean, we, we're looking at some, uh, we've been looking at some rough economic news. You know, the banks have struggled earlier in the year. Correct. Uh, interest rates, the, the, the Fed just won't stop raising interest yes, rates. right. <laughs> Inflation just won't come. Labor, how has, rate, uh, how has retail been so resilient? Well, it really, if we look at the components, there's the, the components that I have mentioned, the manufacturing, consumer products. Right. And we look at retail um and consumer services mm -hmm. and manufacturing, we're really seeing it on the consumer services. Oh. Um, and also, a large part of this particular sector is um, Tesla. Uh, it's like of that particular uh, oh. consumer discretionary, that's really been reflected in the consumer uh, discretionary uh, area. So, you and these are, they're weighted by capitalization in the marketplace. And so if you're looking at the highest, uh, uh, the, let's say if you're looking at that particular sector, you're, you're looking at Amazon, which is a retailer, mm -hmm. uh, which is you can buy almost anything. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the number one area of uh, consumer discretionary. And it's done well this year. Okay. Um, and then you also have Tesla. Home Depot is also in there. Uh, McDonald's, uh, Nike is also there. We've got Lowe's, another um, uh, home improvement uh, center. Starbucks, Booking.com. What is that? Booking is that booking, travel? Booking, it is travel. Okay, that's a different sector. Like you can't you can't wrap that into retail. Can it you? is. It's uh, that's where it's consumer <laughs> discretionary. It, it's retail. <laughs> it's where the consumers they're they're buying. They're buying um, not necessarily, you know, transportation would be, um, you know, the Boeings of the world, um, you know, the airlines. But um, uh, bookings is, is pretty interesting because that's where people are, are um, pent up demand from the pandemic. People are looking yeah, to travel. I thought, I thought we had presumably gotten over that. I thought presumably 2022 was well, I'll tell you the, the the travel this summer, um, you know, starting in the spring, and I've been in the airports the last four months, and it's just incredible as far as the number of travelers. 
and not only airlines, but also uh, cruise lines. So booking is also taking advantage of it. TJ Maxx, we're very familiar with. Mm -hmm. Ford is another one, as well as GM. So you've got these particular sectors that are really uh, picking up in terms of um, um, retail. And that's one of the reasons why I think this is a great area to be in. Hmm. Okay. It <laughs> seems astounding to me. Uh, well, I, 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 th- I think it, it's, counter, it's counterintuitive to what we're li- listening to in the media. And that's the reason why I preface this. If you're looking at high interest rates, you're also looking at inflation. Right. Um, there's also inventory issues, too. Remember, uh, after the uh, shutdown, there were um, supply chain. Supply chain -hain -hain was huge. So (laughs) if you're not getting the goods, uh, we were thinking, okay, we we can't sell (laughs) them. But also you see higher rates uh, or higher prices as well. So it's uh, it's an interesting phenomenon. But that the sector is doing very well. Um, You know, second to uh, information technology, um, communication. Mm -hmm. So this is really one of the one of the better areas uh, as far as year to date investing. Okay. So I and I again I think the prospects will continue to be very good because as we know there may be uh, possibly two more increases in interest rates from the Fed, which is going to go right. You, you think know, right? Be, you think there'll be two more? Huh? Yeah, there. There. Okay, by, by the way, everybody, we're talking on September second, twenty twenty three. That's correct. Here, uh, and in a couple of weeks, the Fed right. is going to meet, and mm-hmm. they're going to decide whether or not to raise interest rates. Right. And and then they're they're talking okay. about for twenty twenty four slowing down. So maybe things will be on a pause. And then possibly this time next year, lower interest rates or start start, start bringing them back down. Start bringing them back down. That's exactly right. Hmm. So manufacturing, you know, home, uh, you know, you're thinking about uh, durable goods. You're thinking about uh, appliances, things of that nature. You know, person right. is buying a new home. Uh, they need to buy a, a refrigerator. They need to buy a washing machine. They need to dry a dryer. Things of the, those nature, of that nature is what what um, is part of the consumer uh, discretionary. So, again, it's it's very interesting, uh, it, and it's, like I said, counterintuitive to what we're seeing in the media right now. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the, uh, <clears throat> the trends in auto sales has been real interesting since the pandemic. Yes. Um, at one point, the, the, the new... The car manufacturers were really having trouble moving cars. Correct. And used car prices were way up. Correct. And and recently, I think used car prices have started to come down. They have come <laughs> down. They have come down. And now the, the new car, uh, the, the car manufacturers are, are doing better. Right. The other side of that with the automotive industry is that they have the ability to make it a little bit more palatable for the consumer to come in. It's not going to be that high interest rate that you would normally see. Right. Um, so they have their own financing and they encourage right. that opposed to maybe going to a bank or a credit union to have that finance. But again, as mm-hmm. we know, if it's the manufacturer, they're financing. So how are they? Somebody's paying for it. Somebody's paying <laughs> for it. That's right. Yeah. So. Okay. But, and, and you mentioned Tesla as a, a, a big influence in how the, the retail sector is doing. Yeah. Correct. Tesla has really gained a lot 
um, I think this time last year, weren't they at about 170 and now they're about 270? Yeah, 244 like was the close oh, yesterday. Okay. And so with Tesla, you know, we've seen a little bit of a, a pullback over the summer with the pricing because there's other things that mm-hmm. are involved. But um, it's uh, it's been you know a lot better than it's been in the past in terms of pricing for Tesla, and um, and it's just of course they you know they're in Europe they're also in Asia, um, and as a result of uh, that exposure then it's a matter of okay production they cut prices um, and a lot of the, like you were talking about, a lot of the other manufacturers have cut prices as well. So it's gotten to be a little bit more competitive, um, to, um, uh, in the industry. And of course, uh, you know, these, these companies are starting to, uh, see some benefit as a result. Good. Um, I noticed you were talking about some of the retail companies that are doing real well. It sounds like a lot of them are dependent upon technology. So Tesla, when I think of Tesla, uh, honestly, I think more about, uh, I think of them more as a technology company than anything, but that's just me. That's exactly You also mentioned Amazon, which Mm -hmm. I think of as a technology company. I understand that they're moving goods, but still, they're they're so dependent on technology. And so many of the companies that you named are... um, how much is technology influencing? The I think it plays sector? an incredible uh, part in terms of their ability to deliver the products and services. Uh, so I would agree they are technology companies. They rely heavily on technology, and I think that's the reason why they become more efficient. And as a result, um, as an investor, you're saying, okay, how are they able to make money? How are they able to control costs? Which in turn drives the stock price up. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to leverage your technology, that's going to be a benefit. Okay. Um, I was when I was preparing for this mm-hmm. podcast, I was thinking about a recent episode that we had where we talked a lot about artificial intelligence, and I'm thinking, how much is the retail industry embracing that whole move into artificial intelligence? Um, and uh, are we going to see some uh, kind of evolutionary developments? I think so. It, it, it definitely is in line. And one of the key things in retail is inventory. And so being able to anticipate and the uh, AI, mm-hmm. artificial intelligence, allows you to do that. So, yeah, the technologies come back. I think for 2023, technology and AI go hand in hand. And the companies, it's incumbent on them to be able to leverage artificial intelligence in order to um, uh, embrace the technology. And, and again, it comes down to costs. You know, how am I able to improve my margins by lowering uh, expenses, which goes right to the bottom line? Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> also, I think the uh, the retail companies are incorporating kind of the chat GBT function, which is artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. um, putting, you know, communicating with their consumers that way, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. 
Correct. Yeah, particularly with, um, you know, if you if you look at an Amazon, for example, yeah, absolutely. I think that it's it's really being able to look at the algorithm and anticipate or even know what a person has looked at in the past and saying, okay, well, you know, are you, you, here's a second look at it, maybe a third or fourth look at it <laughs> that, you know, you may have just kind of in passing looked mm-hmm. at a particular product. And so I think that's pretty impressive. People like that or they get spooked out by it. I, I think it's annoying. <laughs> it's annoying. But at the same time, if you really have the desire to buy something, it says, oh, okay, this is kind of a nice reminder. Maybe I need to do this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, if people are interested, if, it, if they listen to this podcast, they go, oh, this is some really compelling information about how I, where I should be investing my money. And wow, re- retail sounds like uh, there's a lot of upside. What, they sh- what should they be looking at? Well, you know, I gave examples of the companies that make up um, exchange traded fund, which is really one of the best ways, mutual fund or an exchange traded fund that will allow you to take advantage of consumer discretionary. So as I mentioned, there are 11 sectors in the S&P 500. This is one of the better ones this year. Um, We've talked about energy. We've talked about information technology or technology Mm -hmm. particularly. And I think that is really one of the ways (laughs) that you can Increase your diversification so you're not buying just one particular stock like Nike, for example, an apparel company to take advantage of this consumer discretionary sector. So um, I, I believe it really makes sense because there are probably if you look at an exchange traded fund or a mutual fund, you're looking at hundreds of different companies, mm-hmm. uh, for example. Uh, the Vanguard Consumer Discretionary that has like 303 different companies that are comprised of mm. that sector. So you're enjoying this higher rate of return uh, than what the S&P 500 is offering. Mm. So that I think the way you do it is not individual stocks, but through a mutual fund or an exchange traded fund. Mm. Do you know the symbol on that Vanguard? Yeah, it's uh, VCR. Okay. Okay, it's easy to remember. Yes, for us old guys. Yes, <laughs> that's you, Steve, not me. <laughs> I know I'm a couple years behind you. <laughs> yeah, Stephanie's over there laughing at me, not you. <laughs> what are some of the challenges facing uh, <clears throat> facing the retail industry? You mentioned supply chain, for yeah. instance. Is that still a looming factor? I I think it, I think um, the variables are. Yeah, you have to have materials. You have to have inventory. Um, but they solved the UPS strike. They didn't yeah. strike. That was well, good. and labor. <laughs> yeah, labor is another area. Um, but I, I think the the overriding factor, which I mentioned before, okay, goods are more expensive than when, once they once you know before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say that consumers are more. Um, they're they look at pricing and they're going to shop, you know, they're going to look at different outlets. They're going to look at maybe going to um, a brick and mortar store. They're going to look at maybe several online outlets before they even make a purchase. So that, that makes it interesting because um, that will be one of the driving factors, not to mention inflation, not to mention 
Um, uh, you know, if we're starting to see an uptick in unemployment. So, you know, that means that do people really have the money to, to spend? So I think that that could be a factor as well. So inflation, interest rates, and inventory. Hmm. Okay. Um, I've been reading recently a lot about another challenge that they're facing, which is something called shrink. Can you explain that? Shrinkage. Okay. Yeah. So with with shrink, this is I I mean you see it on some of some of the uh, YouTube, you see it uh, on the internet, some of the smash and grabs to some of the luxury um, uh, retailers, but it's really shoplifting. I mean, mm-hmm. that, let's get down to it. I mean, the brass tax, mm-hmm. it's, it's shoplifting. It's maybe dishonest uh, employees, um, heirs. Um, it's, it could be even with a vendor. But shrinkage is basically the loss in retail where uh, consumers are involved. Uh, shoplifting is probably the, the one that we all can identify with. And it's really significant because they're talking about 81% of retailers saying that their shrinkage has increased from 21 to 22. From 2021 to 22, 81% of the retailers said that they had increased shrinkage or increased theft. I mean, that's if yeah, that's what shrinkage is, is theft. Increase, significant increase? It's that 81, uh, yeah, significant. Um, you're seeing probably anywhere from, um, I think it was uh, like 18, it's 18% or so. Uh, and wow. before it was like about wow. 14%. Wow. So it's significant. So what's going on? Can you explain it? What's going on with America? <laughs> what's going on with America? That's right. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it's it's... It's it's controls. Um, I, I think that the shoplifting is part of it, and I think dishonest employees. I mean, I think those are the major major factors. And so, what do retailers have to do if you're a brick and mortar store? Um, you're you know you're looking at increased security. They're talking about again technology, AI, face recognition as a way of you know mm. if, if there's wow. a person that is a known person that has done that, you'd probably want to keep them out of your store. And the camera can catch somebody immediately. Yeah, I mean with the AI is just exactly like yeah that. just like that. Yeah. yeah. So there there are ways of doing it, of course, but then that's an additional cost. Um, that mm-hmm. goes right to the bottom line and, and um, uh, to prevent this, uh, this theft. So it, it is, um, it, it's, you know, dishonest customers trying to return things. But then on the other side of this is, okay, so you've stolen something, and then how do you get rid of it as a There thief. you go. Yeah, you're about to anticipate my question. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, no, it's, it, but it's, so they're going to try to sell it online. Right. And so there's, there has to be ways so. of stopping that. And, and so the, the prevalence of the internet and yes. uh, these websites that allow right. you to resell things, I think that's probably contributing Correct. Correct. to the, the increase in what you're calling shrinkage. Absolutely. So it's two-edged. So we talked about the good side with technology where the retailers are u- utilizing the technology, but the thieves on the other side are also using that as a way to get rid of their goods. Yeah. So, Shrinkage. So I'm wondering uh, 
if I'm again, I'm a I'm an investor. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think find ways to, places to uh, invest my money, and I'm thinking, oh, retail looks good, uh, and I'm looking at which retail companies. Mm-hmm. You listed a huge number yeah. of uh, really well known names, yeah. and I'm thinking maybe. The online companies don't have quite the same problem with shrinkage. Maybe so. So maybe the online retailers would be a better investment. I you would think? say so. I would say so. so like the, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon uh, would be good. Wayfield. But, yes. I, I mean, even even some of the larger, like Target, Dayton Hudson, um, they have online shopping as well. But of course, they're known for their brick and mortar. Right. So they're more exposed. Yeah. Target is more exposed exactly. than. Amazon, presumably. Exactly. That's correct. And then also with Amazon, they also own uh, Whole Foods. So, you know, I mean, that's that's not necessarily um, merchandise, but it is a retailer that provides food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, You briefly mentioned the impact of the labor market. Mm -hmm. It's, It's been a tight labor market. People can't find workers uh, has the retail industry um, absorbed that problem easier, <laughs> easier than some other industries? Is, think, it, is it easier to find workers in retail than it is, in, for instance, in technology? I don't think so. I, I think it's equally as, uh, equally as well on, in any other industry. It's, it's a labor uh, issue. Um, the other situation is, of course, uh, minimum wage uh, have increased uh, throughout the country. So um, it's just finding the right person, an honest person if you're a retailer. I mean, I think any any business, you want an honest employee. So um, I think that that is, is very, very critical as well. But it's, it's difficult all around. And I think the, and we can see this in pre-pandemic situations where maybe a retailer was open 24 hours a day. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking of a Kroger, uh, right. King Supers, yeah. that was 24 hours, and now not, not now, and not now, <clears throat> and that's 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 the result of labor. Uh, is that going to change? Do you think? I mean, are, are we going to get back to the days where supermarkets were open 24 hours? Well, the consumer will will demand it. The consumer will demand it, or they'll do something else differently. But I realistically, I I think with 24 hour shopping. Uh, at a brick and mortar store, mm-hmm. I think it's probably gone by the wayside. To mm-hmm. tell you the truth, are there indications that the labor market is going to loosen up a little bit? That it's going to be easier for these companies to find workers? I I think it's it's reflected in what's happening with the unemployment numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and you and you mentioned yeah. that earlier. Yeah. That is uh, yeah. that's a, a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're looking at unemployment, which was reported recently, you know, 3.8%. So, I mean, just these tenth of a point increases just make make a big difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, uh, that's been a very enlightening uh, explanation about what's going on in retail. I appreciate that. Do you have an investment tip of the month? I do have an investment tip of the month, and I think it's really important to get back to basics. I always talk about that. I think the esoteric uh, conversations that we've had in the past with uh, uh, some of the some of the different uh, industries and you know artificial intelligence, but this is actually getting back to the basics of looking at planning portfolio rebalancing. So what is that? So 
it really looks at working with your advisor or working um, with your person that is um, uh, managing your portfolio, your investment manager, and making sure that the allocation, so for example, if you start out with, let's say, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, that you always rebalance toward that particular allocation. And what happens is over time, mm-hmm. the valuations change with those particular sectors. Right. And that, so for example, if the equity markets are up 20%, then of course that 60% maybe is now 70% of your portfolio. Exactly. So the strategy, of course, is looking at this on a quarterly basis or semi-annual or annual basis to make sure that your plan still is intact. And so the reason why this, let's say, 70% equities and um, then that maybe results in 30% in fixed income, that may be a detriment to your overall portfolio, even though you're thinking, okay, the equities have done very well in this last year or this last rebalance, you want to realign so that you can take advantage of that initial portfolio allocation. Right. And the initial portfolio allocation is based, I think, on a couple of things. Well, why don't you tell me what it's based well, on? Well, it's, it's based on your risk tolerance right. and time horizon. Mm-hmm. So once you establish whatever your um, allocation is going to be, you want to check to make sure that it's still in balance. And um, as I was alluding to is that if you have 70% of the portfolio in equities, then you have more at risk, generally speaking, because stocks are going to be mm-hmm. a little bit more volatile than what bonds have. But in 2022, we saw a loss in both stocks as well as Mm -hmm. in bonds Mm -hmm. for the fixed income sector. So just as getting back to basics, I think that rebalancing portfolios are very, very important. As we're coming back from this downturn in 2022, and uh, I'm I'm not saying that we fully recovered from 2022, but it's a great time to re-examine your portfolio to make sure it's in line with your overall goals. Mm, okay. You could probably also do some portfolio rebalancing within your stock. Correct. Right? And so getting back to our, our original topic here of this podcast, retail, if you decide, uh, uh, I want about 5% of my portfolio in retail. Correct. And... and and, and by the way, retail sometimes might be a little more conservative mm-hmm. than other investments. Absolutely. Uh, you'll and, and if it grows to 10% because of what the market's doing, you might want to... Absolutely. Rebalance, right? Right. Within... Yeah, with, yeah. Right. so, so micro, micro so it's Yes, yeah. exactly. So giving the macro, the 60-40, just to make it simple. But yeah, you can, the subsets of the equity market as well as the fixed income just to make sure that you are rebalanced. And probably the most effective, I said quarterly, semi-annual, annual. Mm-hmm. But to be more, the most effective is probably on a on a monthly basis. Monthly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And not, you can not do that. daily. No, you, not daily. Not, not like I'm doing it. No daily. monthly. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, uh, um, and it's and it's been proven that the more it, the frequency, the monthly is actually more effective. So that would mm-hmm. be the um, the parting comment that I would say about rebalancing. Okay. Yeah. Great. 
Very interesting. That's a good and we can do investment that. tip. Yeah, and we can do that. And with the technology, that allows us to re-examine the portfolio and make that very simple. Okay. Excellent. Thanks for that tip. All righty. And thanks, as always, for the great information about the topic today, which was retail, investments yeah. in retail. Very enlightening. Um, thanks for being here. And I look forward to the next Grand Turbo MoneyCast. And by the way, if people want to contact you, Gregory, how can they do that? Well, it's Gregory Anderson uh, with uh, Granderson Wealth Management Group and uh, Gregory at GrandersonWealth.com. That's easy. 303-228-3160. Thank you, Steve. Stephanie. Call them anytime, everybody. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you next time. All righty. You've been listening to Grand Turbo MoneyCast, where we discuss some of the most important investment issues affecting your portfolio. Check back regularly for future editions of Grand Turbo MoneyCast. And for more information, go to GrandersonWealth.com. Have a good day and a grand portfolio.